All right, guys, what is happening? We are back again, episode 13, the off-track experience. Um, I thought I'd start doing a little intro, not just kind of sit down and start talking and then get the people to come in this time, trying to get a bit more professional with this podcast. So uh, first ever intro, I'll do a little outro as well. But yeah, just to talk through on this episode, we've got actually a good friend of mine, um, Johnny McLean's in. And Johnny's got a pretty cool story where he's uh, he started off uh, just doing a small import company is bringing in uh, he's bringing in gear and now he's obviously grown that into what is lusty industries today and he just really plays a massive part in so many people's careers that like don't it doesn't really get seen he's kind of always that quiet achiever in the background that's obviously helped so many young kids including Ollie Davis a kid that I help out and Todd Waters and Jack Moyer Graham Mudd like helped so many people but it's just funny that he's never really had his story told. So I thought, hey, why not chat to him? I was in Newcastle at the time. Really nice guy. Actually, let me surfboard for the last two weeks. So just definitely a giving person. I've always got time for people like that. So I thought we'd have a little sit down and kind of talk him through his journey and how hard it got and how he's kind of gotten to where he is today. And yeah, the kind of the struggles of starting up your own small business, but also the positive you get out of it and how many people you can actually help and affect by doing that. So yeah. That any ado, here you go, guys. With Johnny McLean here at uh, Lusty Industries in the in the warehouse, having a little chat. Now, first off, Johnny, what what's going on? What's been happening? What if, where did the whole idea to get into Lusty Industries like start off? Like, where was where was the idea behind the whole thing? And like, yeah, man. Um, yeah, well, thanks for dropping in. Um, I always like to pop in and try and say, hey, steal your surfboard for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's cool. Love, love having a good crew stop by. Um, basically, very cliche kind of story, but grew up racing dirt bikes and mountain bikes and that kind of thing. Because um, did you, when, when, like, did you race? Yeah, I raced like, juniors, um, had a couple of top three Aussie title type things yeah. and then uh, I think it was about 11 my folks kind of ran out of money you know that yeah. same old story but the fire never died away you know yeah, still had to do to, it. Yeah, had did to. you kind of get away from racing then or were you still yeah like... into ball sports played rugby that kind yeah. of thing just, but you know was it like a different love though because it was like yeah yeah because I remember I like I played football kind of I started racing and then I kind of started to play football and I was just like this is this is not me no like it's not the same competitive thing and we'd hit we're like I'd play really well and would lose and yeah. it's just a weird thing to take away from like why did I do the play the bet like I'd get like best in, on the ground or whatever best in what was it best in Ferris or best on yep. or whatever but would lose by 100 points <laughs> and it just didn't make any sense to me imagine if you did your best race run yeah. and then it's just like oh actually no you've uh, you've got 10th <laughs> and it's just because someone else fucks up yeah so they have, so you started racing and then you kind of yeah when, we grew, how old were you when you pulled uh, away uh, about 11 so like I remember mum we go all the way back yeah yeah we'll go, so, go back to the start the yeah movie. we had um, we had a guy grow up down the road who I called Uncle Nige um, happens, ha- happens to be Robbie McNaughton's uncle oh um, really yeah grew up a couple of houses away and kind of the very first story my mum tells me is that she caught me as a two year old toddler I'd snuck out of home and crawled yeah. down to his house and she found me in the garage on his dirt bike and <laughs> you're, look, ho- you're hooked yeah. yeah look I've just always just been fascinated by yeah. dirt bikes and BMX and mountain bike and blah blah but yeah so yeah. thankfully you know dad bought second-hand bike when I was about five and then we did it up and went racing and you know kind of went okay and you get better and built from that got better and built for that my little brother got into it and then 
essentially, you know, fast forward, you know, top three at the last Aussie title, which I think was I was 11, 88. Um, and then my folks were doing it tough financially. Yeah. You know, same old story. Um, and a young girl passed away at the track this particular day. Yeah. And my mum just was like, that's enough. We've yeah. had enough. Done, family yeah. so much pressure to go race mm. financially this is the final straw that broke the camel's back obviously my brother and I were crushed you know I remember yeah. I was like a little guy I couldn't work it out why can't we go race anymore so yeah I went to you know got on with it played rugby union pretty pretty solid and did quite well at that played uh, rep footy and that kind of yeah, stuff yeah. and then Got hurt pretty bad, and when I was in year 10, had year 10 off school, dislocated my hip pretty bad, playing playing footy, yeah, Yeah. so, yeah, just, you know, whatever. It's Um, funny how you say, like, your parents were kind of like, obviously, they stopped it, because with my, with my old man, because I went to race motocross, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, like, he brought me a motorbike and pushed me into, that's something, obviously, he wanted us to do, because he enjoyed it so much, and then when I got better at it, I said, well, I want to race, and he's like, you're not racing. Yeah. And I was like, this weird thing. I was like, you've but you've you've got me the bike. You've pushed me into something, and now yeah, I get to the point where I'm like, no. let's make something out of it. And he's like, no, you can't, because he just had friends that he had a friend in New Zealand actually that um, became a paraplegic through racing, yeah, right. and he was close friends with their family, and it happened. And I think that kind of scared him. Yeah, and I don't think he was. It's kind of funny though, because he said I couldn't race motocross, and then I was like, well, the next closest thing's downhill. Yeah, I was like, can I race downhill? He's like, yep. Wow. Like he looked at that, but he looked at that as if you make a mistake, it's on you. In yeah. motocross, if you got someone landing yeah. on your head on a massive double or something, because I'm pretty sure what happened was he got landed on by someone else. Yeah, right. So it's literally like his whole life's fucked through a fold of someone else. We're in downhill. If you fuck up, it's you fuck up. Yeah, it's, it's your on, mistake. It's, yeah, it's on you. So he saw that, and just obviously, like you look at most motor guys, they like their injuries are normally more insensitive. Yeah, crash is usually pretty. You got a hundred kilo decent. bike landing on yeah. you, and you're going over hundred foot doubles. Where we're not like we're doing anything safe, but yeah. just the like we're going past trees doing sixty k's. It's just it's a different kind, but like on a whole, I think we're safer. Yeah, I think the risk is a bit less. It looks safer. Although yeah. these days, you guys are going that's like you look at someone go to rampage and then backflipping over canyons. And it's just like you can, you can still get pretty hurt, but yeah, yeah. just we had the similar thing. It just yeah. you were further down the track than I was when it kind of got. I mine just got cut off at the start. Yeah, got I got cut, cut off, off kind of as it was happening. As it was happening, yeah. So yeah, I was in the Craig Anderson, yeah, kind of period. Chad Reed was a local at the track, you know, at the local club day, and so um, yeah, it was a pretty strong Newcastle, yeah. pretty strong moto community. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of fast guys have come out of here. Yeah. Um, did but you yeah. have, like, resent at your parents for just, like... Oh, for of... sure, man. That first year was so tough. It was like, why can't I? And why can't at I... the time, we like my, we were all in. We had three yeah. bikes each, yeah, my brother yeah. and I. And Dad was trying to sell them. And, I would, you know, I'd go around and my, we kept it all at my grandma's. I'd go around all the time and look at them. And it was, yeah. It would have been crushing for them as well, though, at the same time. Because I'm like... Yeah. Like, you'd obviously know now with, like how many people you help out through kids and stuff imagine if you just pull that all out from them yeah like they would obviously resent you at the same time it's like you're getting double kind of hit because yeah. you're stopping them from doing what they want and you obviously want to do it at the same time like I'm sure your parents would have been passionate about you racing yeah like dad most people would be dad's a motorsport guy he grew up in the whole motorsport racing you know 
thing in yeah. the 70s and 80s with, with Holden and stuff. So he's, he's racing's in his blood. He's yeah. on the couch flat out looking at anything that races two or four wheels. So, I, look, it was just a family decision. Yeah. Yeah, it was a whole bunch of resent, but... Um, so it was you and your brother were racing? Yeah, my brother and I were racing. I was the more passionate one yeah. about dirt bikes than he... He went down the downhill path, so that's kind of I was race. I was doing mountain biking. Is he older, Fast forward, is he older, I was. Is he older or younger than you? Younger. Yeah. So I'm the oldest. Um, fast forwards, no dirt bikes until I left school. Got an apprenticeship. First thing I did was buy a dirt bike, kind of deal. What was the apprenticeship you did? Electrical. So I'm an yeah. electrician, and then very, <laughs> very cliche, very stereotypical, yeah. traditional kind of, yeah. Um, Left school, became an electrician, yep. living week to week, um, trying to race dirt bikes, riding mountain bikes as cross training, but a bunch oh, of my... So you, start, you got back into it? I got back into racing as yeah. soon as I could. And how old was this, like 18? Uh, yeah, 18. 18, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Do you been... feel like it was hard that, like, you see kids now and they, like, you can't have time off? Like, you, you can't. can't. You can't even... You've got to be in it since... Like, yeah. You look at young kids now, especially in America, like, you get to... You race, you're racing 50s and you go all the way through and you just it's yeah. riding school race like you can't it's you, it's cutthroat can't take your finger off yeah, it. You've yeah. Got it as soon as you get going you can't it's you can't everything away, did you so. felt like you came back and people that you were kind of on the same level with were just gone yeah out in front yeah so that was frustrating I mean I didn't have the talent or natural skill yeah either I think I was just <laughs> whatever but I had fun yeah and I was racing and being an apprentice and juggling all that and traveling around and she was good but I was getting hurt a bit and then, mm-hmm. then I uh, had a you know employers going you know do you want to race dirt bikes or do you want a job so yeah. I was going you know get getting that weighing it up yeah getting that kind of heat and yeah I was fulfilling a role which was doing a job you know to become a tradesperson mm. and stuff but I never really like. That wasn't. That's what you not wanted. my future. That's not what you wanted to do. Was no, it? I was there because it was there. But it was serving a purpose to go racing at that stage. Yeah, I that's enjoyed it. parts of it, but then that's, yeah, I've got. Like, I actually have a friend now who's also an electrician. He likes it, but like I'm telling him, I'm like, you, like that's not what you want to do. I'm like, what do you actually want to do? And we're trying to work that out now. And it's probably going to sound stupid because I'm telling him we should become a DJ, which might sound dumb, or whatever. Yeah. But he's just like a really big music person, yeah. and like he's got personality. And I kind of put together, like, just when we kind of, like, and he actually he actually used my decks the other day and just literally out of the, just never done, used them before. Yep. And straight away off the bat, he was just, could, he just understood how it worked. He just, yeah. he just picked it up so quick. And I was like, give it a try, man. Like, you don't know how far it's going to go, but try it. And then, yeah. like, it could, you could just do it for fun. You could make money off it. You could go really big with it. But I'm like, try it. You never know. Yeah, take it, like, take it on. I'm like... I said to him, like, you don't want to be an electrician. You're yeah. an electrician because it's there and you are good at it and blah, blah, blah. But, like, if you could do this, even if it's just a hobby or something you can work on, go for it. Yeah. Take, go, go after it. So that's cool. But like you were saying, yeah, you just obviously you knew that that wasn't your thing. Correct. But, but it was there. It was, it was serving a purpose. Um, and then, yeah, I was still racing dirt bikes and I'm just so much love to go race and the yeah. community and, and mountain biking. I was doing a bunch of that with my brother and friends and that's how I knew Robbie and Ricky Boy and all those yeah. kind of guys um, and then so yeah I uh, went and worked in a coal mine out at Mudgee and had a bunch of free time and I was like 
because I had a bunch of free time, I was always kind of looking at America and reading Racer X and American magazines and just, yeah. you know, fully ingrained in the moto yeah, thing. Yeah, the whole thing. Kind of um, saw brands in magazines and stuff that weren't here. Yeah. And kind of clicked that, yeah. Yeah, that little switch. Yeah, I was like, oh, that'd be cool if I could maybe bring that in and... Were you, no did you have any experience in doing stuff like that? At the I point? had zero, man. Yeah. So, when I, was what, when was this? Uh, two thousand and two, two thousand and three. I was kind of I was racing flat out. I was kind of at that point. I worked out that no matter how much money I spend or how much I go race, I'm not going to make a career out of this. Yeah, yeah. And had a job at the same time. Yeah. Um, met my partner Helen. She was at uni at the time, so was working a job in the coal mine, and then basically come up with the idea that oh, got made redundant overnight. Got called, really? say, hey, you've lost a job. So I'm like, but I'd made a it's bunch kind of, of a, money. Probably looking back at it now, it's like a blessing in disguise in a way. It was a catalyst to like, okay, pack up, move my life back to Newcastle. Where were you at this point? Sorry, Mudgee. I was in Mudgee. Mudgee I was out yeah. west, which yeah. you, for those that don't know is like Western New South Wales. Um, packed up she was living on campus at uni so I basically packed my life up came back to Newcastle lived in a share house with 10 other people really for 3 years and started Lusty in through that, that through that where did you like where was like the where did Lusty start like, where so the you? idea started on campus at Newcastle University really and I started making in contact. 2003 you said yeah so it officially our first product so yeah, I lived on campus with her. It was a share house of five bedrooms, but every person had an, a couple. Like, so there was ten people. It yeah. was pretty cool, you know. And how old were you at this point when this uh, was happening? Twenty-two. Is that exciting? Like, it would have been exciting. Kind yeah. Of, like, so I was still working a job and or part time. Yeah. And at the same time, I went back to study and became electrical engineer. Yeah. In a year, so I did a four-year course in a year and just smashed it out and doing some work and racing bikes and trying to... Doing everything. Yeah, and then, you know, did like... you get, like, that thing where you kind of had found what you thought, like, okay, this I'm good at yeah. this, I need to go after it? That's where I kind of was like... Because that's the thing, it's just, like, people... Like, I know a lot of people, they don't know that thing, and it's just, like, once you find it, it's it's hard, but at the same time, because you enjoy it so much, it's, it's not. Yeah. It's, like, once you're like, okay, this is it, I can yeah. do this, I'm good at it, and then you kind of build momentum through that... So yeah, like you said, especially it would have been cool in the whole situation with everything, with all the people. Yeah, and kind of, I don't know. I was living the like university campus life. Yeah, and studying, and working still as a leco part time, and then got my qualifications as an engineer in a year. Yeah. So I did the higher level learning thing. Yep. And tried that, and fully realised that this is this not is me. Not it. This is not because I feel like people before they know it, they. Like, they, they can't do certain things. Like, I know with me, I'd love to do some things. It just does, for, me, for my brain, for how I operate, it just, no. Nah. Yeah. And I'm like, I try and tell people, I'm like, just do what you're good at. Yeah. Because if you're good at it, you probably enjoy it. Like, people just, they think they've got to do something because they're expected to do it from someone else. Yeah. But I'm like, they don't know how your brain works or how you feel about something or any of this. So I'm like, if you find something you generally love, you love and you enjoy, I'm like, do that. Just yeah. do that. And then normally you get good enough at it that someone will pay you to do it. Yeah. Or you'll be able to make money through it through somehow. somehow. Yeah, through some different way. Yeah. Like, so just like focus on that. Because if you, yeah, it's like you said, 
if you're doing something, it's like what people say, if you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life. That's, Even though you are working, you're enjoying it. So I'm like, if you're getting a kick out of it, who gives a fuck if you're making that much money or yeah. doing that much whatever? Yeah. Yeah, you're just having a good time doing it. So it's like, fuck. If you're yeah, not making man. anything, you still got a good life doing doing what you're doing. Hey, man, yeah. Um, so that kind of kick-started it and then I was, many, I was able to buy our first house at the same time. Yeah. You know? Um, Where'd the name Lusty come from, by the way? Well, it's funny. Um, so there was a pretty successful local motocross brand. And I don't know if there's any old motocrossers that listen to this, but there was a brand called Hooker Streetwear before your time, yeah, Junior. Yeah. It was called Hooker Streetwear. They made a whole bunch of clothing. They kind of like the crusty thing was yep. just firing and like it was that kind of era skin like yeah. well that industry would have been massive then because I remember like yeah it was then, like the crusties were kind of coming up and even like fine. in the mountain bikes that like that was huge then yeah like I was before my time like I didn't even I think I was probably riding motorbikes like 50s and stuff I remember my dad was really into it and like crusties were getting bigger yeah. and bigger I didn't even know what downhill was at the time yeah. or any of that but like I know looking back at it now that that was kind of booming at the same time like in the late 90s early 2000s it was massive yeah so you kind of you kind of jumped in on it at the right yeah well, I saw it? this brand fire up and I was in Newcastle in this greater area it just kind of went hellfire and yeah the Fabian the guys did amazing to grow that brand and I was just like oh maybe I can do one called Lusty Pleasure Wear so I designed it all up and you stuff. Just, you just came up with it. You thought this is yeah, just some um, you know. How can I make something of the moto industry? And I thought I'll make a clothing brand like every other person does every yeah other week. That, <laughs> but that didn't happen. And then so you it started off. You just wanted to be a clothing brand. That was kind of yeah. that was the that was the but I had zero on. idea how to do that. Yeah. And then I worked out how tricky that was. So then <laughs> how quick how how long did that take? Was that pretty? Yeah, that was pretty quick death. So I kept the name and then. Uh, was I was reading this Racer X magazine, which was pretty, pretty. It still is pretty much the number one global magazine for yep. motocross. It was US based, yeah. So a lot of that US influence, like downhill, you know, yeah. that culture comes through. And it's they like, did a clothing. It's like everything line. in America, I feel like yeah. they're just like the the kind of cousin that's a bit slower, but <laughs> we, big time. We, we or like the younger brother kind of thing. We're just we like always. we see what they do and then copy it a little bit. Pretty much with like a year or two behind the times. <laughs> But yeah, so I reached out to those guys and was like, hey, you do a clothing line, can I kind of sell it? Yeah. And then, yeah, we brought a first shipment in. And and what was the clothing brand you brought in? Racer X. Oh, Racer X. It, it was a sideline of the magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, kind of brought it in and bought some stuff and sent it via aeroplane and it cost a fortune and we made no money. We <laughs> yeah. lost fucking thousands. Really? And, but it was cool, like... The clothing was going out, you know, and we started to sponsor people. And yeah, and like got the name out there. Kind started of to get the name out there, and it started to seed out. And so I was going to work every day. Yeah, I built a website, um, and then Hells was still at uni. Yeah, so she would push process the orders during the day. Yeah, and I'd go to work and do the website all night and do all that kind of stuff. And man, that's kind of how it kicked off, honestly. It got started, yeah, and then. I feel like a lot of people get scared because, um, like you say, you kind of you've got to be expected to lose money at the start yeah. to get it off the ground because it's like an unknown kind of thing and like anything that's unknown, like you say, you got to spend money to make money. Like I was talking to this person about how I had that little 
festival party thing yeah and i want to grow that more and i was talking to this person that does all like sound and lighting and does instagram promotions and they, they like they do that for a proper job and they even said to me because i was like excited about doing it he's like you know you've got to prepare yourself that you probably won't even break even yeah. the first year you do it yeah. let alone maybe the first couple of years but like you've got to build it yeah. into something and i thought about that and i was like but that's kind of, you've just got to expect that yeah it's like it's never going to start off you just like rolling in money which i think if people go into business expecting oh first year we're going to do it we're going to make all this money yeah and just like no it's it's not a not a quick process but that's like most things like i was racing downhill for 10 years before i got a paycheck for doing it there you go man. and it's just like you people think oh, i get a downhill and like because they obviously don't look at you until you are at the top and then we're at the top like oh you get paid this much money yeah and i'm just like how many people work it even though it's it's, it's passion it's fine you're not just yeah. you're not just doing it to try and make money but if you told someone oh i want to be a professional mountain bike racer oh, i just expect you won't get paid a cent until you're yeah. until yeah 10 years in or something and you're just like okay that yeah i think appealing. social media portrays a lot of overnight success Oh, exactly. And especially because a lot of the time you only find out about people when they have done really yeah. well, but you're like, you don't actually look back how far they've come. And that's like why I like doing the podcast thing because you, yeah, you get the backstory so much further. Because I always say to people, I hate, like, I don't, it's, a, it's such a positive and a negative. Yeah. Like, it's so good for obviously what you do for your work, what I do with getting yeah. kid names out there for building stuff. Like, I'm going to put this podcast on Instagram and then people, more people are going to listen to it yeah. because it's on there. But at the same time, it's just the, one of those things where you can get a bit caught up in it and you can control more of your life than it should. Yeah, there's a. I try not to get wrapped up in it. You see a lot of people drinking coffee on the beach, killing it. And yeah. Making like, millions on. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, they're just kind of. You, you can spin it any way you want. Uh, yeah. Like, it's funny, like, when, even when. Um, I went up the coast that last trip and everyone's like, oh, you look like you had such a good trip and all this stuff. And I was posting all this stuff about it. And it was kind of a two-edged sword because I'd always post where I was where I was. And then sometimes someone would see that and then message me and be like, oh, you're here, let's do something. And then I'd meet up with someone. It was kind of like, it would help in that regard. But then I might also get another 15 messages of people like, oh, this is so, like just replying to the story. And like, I do like that. I do like getting, obviously, people talk, like attention yeah. and talk to you. But at the same time, I'm trying to kind of be on a holiday and enjoy it, not look at my phone and look at Instagram flat out. So then I went up this trip and I kind of just like put the phone down a bit more and just like, but then I I guess I've talked to people and they'd probably be like, oh, you're like, what have you been doing lately or whatever? And be like, I've been having a lot, I've been doing the same as I did last time, having a lot of fun. It's just that you don't promote it as much. Yeah. But that was the thing. I was just like, it sounds like stupid, but I'd put up a cool photo of maybe like my van, what I've done to it or like a cool beach I've been to. And like, you do get it. Like I obviously people follow me so you do get a lot of attention which is cool and I love yeah. when people message me but I just hate because then you reply to everyone and I try and reply yeah. properly to everyone I don't like just like messages or Whatever. do a generic message but then they reply back again it's just like it's <laughs> a bit you, of work you're trying to have like 20 conversations <laughs> with 20 different people and it's just a bit it's just because I, I hate it if I, if I send a message to like a guy that's got a heap of followers or something even if I kind of know him and I don't get a reply I'm just kind of like you're, yeah, like you're, yeah, you're a bit of a dick, but I understand. I'm like you don't want to be consumed by your phone because yeah. I used to reply to every single message I got on Instagram and Facebook and everything, and then it just kind of got out of hand. Like I got to like I'm not saying I'm the famous, massive famous guy, but if I go to a race and post something, like you might get 30, 40 people message you or just even just react yeah. to a photo, and it does. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty draining, man. When, like you, yeah, especially at a World Cup and you do well. 
and it's just like it's everyone. good because you like the fans are awesome but everyone it's just knows, yeah every, like it's just it's it, it does become a job in itself like it says on my phone like you know you look at your screen time and I've got a massive amount of screen time on Instagram mm. like I'm not even really looking at photos yeah. anymore I'm literally replying to people and like I'd wake up in the morning and there's literally trying to reply to people and it's like because it is you've got to keep a fan it's, base you got to yeah you've got a pretty tough job man I'm lucky that <laughs> I want to call, call it tough but it's it's just a part of it that people don't think about well, it's a huge part of what you do yeah just kind of keeping your like likability and your personality and all that and it's just like like I said sometimes I just want to go up the beach and just throw the phone away yeah. and just actually enjoy what I'm what I'm doing but then you've got the thing you want to kind of keep content's a big thing now huge it's huge people want to know what Dino's doing yeah no and, one wants to know what I'm doing I yeah I don't look at Instagram or social from the day I come to work to yeah. the time I come to work, the time I come home. I just can't get Well, you'd obviously have people with Lusty on the whole social media side of things, which obviously... which Yeah, our team here kill it. Um, run all that. It's pretty much a full-time job plus more. Yeah. Um, I just... It is. It is a, it's literally it's a full-time. Full yeah, I almost um, just want to... Just get a friend or something that does it. I've oh. actually got a friend at home that manages Instagram. And I was like, can you just post photos for me? Like yeah. some guy approached me a couple of years ago asking if he could manage it. Yeah. And I was like, no, it doesn't matter. But I'm just kind of like, it's, I don't want to do it. <laughs> like I'm kind of a bit over it. It's, it's and a, I, yeah. I don't like when people just post a heap of old photos, mm. which I understand it's content, it's your bike, it's your brand, it's everything. But I kind of like to be relevant. So if I'm going up the beach, I'm going to post going up the beach. When I'm going racing, I'm going to post racing. But I just don't like when people just it's constant throwback yeah. here and throwback, and it's just like it's not. It's, it's not what happened. Yeah, I just want to like what I'm doing is what I'm promoting, and what I'm going to do is what I'm going to promote, and blah blah blah. But yeah, a lot of people just they will put up old stuff constantly, yeah. and it's just like it's in the past. It's just kind of, yeah, kind of do what you're doing now. It's a fast moving ship, man. Yeah, I mean I've come from. You know, last year's what, 15 years old, and we didn't have. Oh well, we had MySpace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't even know what MySpace was, is. No, I do. I had MySpace. Yeah. I remember you could change your um your top friends. Yeah. And I remember we MySpace was the was the dig, and oh. now it's you know, and then it moved across, and it's like wonder, that world is changing. Yeah. So damn I wonder. Quick. If, I wonder if there's going to be. Everyone's like, oh, not, there's not going to be a new thing. I'm like, 100. percent There's there going to be a new thing. There's new stuff cooking there's every new day. Stuff, it's like. Facebook's kind of dead in a way. Like, I only use Facebook yeah. for Messenger. Twitter, like, Twitter's they all have their own ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm constantly working with our team, and our team is smarter than me at that whole digital space. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's what they do. Yeah. Um, the marketing guys, but I like it. Yeah. It's got its pluses and minuses. I'm not a Facebook fan. Instagram's cool to see where your friends are at. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I don't. I don't post a lot of stuff, man. Wow. And I see people I don't see a lot, and they're like, "Oh, you're doing cool stuff all the time." I'm like, well, I'm not putting the sixty hours a week. I do yeah, work. Yeah, exactly. And no one wants to see that shit. Yeah. So. Like, imagine if you just actually posted everything you're doing. Yeah. Oh, come to on, work. Go on, on home late. Go on to work. Go on home late. Go on to work. Go home late. Like, oh, you live a normal life. Yeah, everyone yeah. does. They just post the best bits. Post all the photos of my bills. Cool. Post. Photos. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I try and keep it positive and. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, like, you can get out what you what you want out of Instagram. Yeah, you can get locked and stuck down the rabbit hole, man. Looking at everyone living the dream, and then you can oh, that's exactly be right. down this, on it. This, or this, I just that's why I kind of keep off it as much as possible, and just kind of keep what? up with the the crew. And you know, mm, you guys, we share messages and stuff. And well, um, this is the thing. Now I read this quote, and it says the comparisons the thief of joy, mm-hmm. which is so true because you just compare yourself to all these other people. You can't, that, man. 
and I remember this this was funny because I had a um a friend and I hadn't seen her um for ages and just obviously had her on Instagram and just her life looked really good, like looked like she was having a good yeah. time, looked like she was really happy. And then I met up with her um at this house party I was at and like the first five five minutes of being around her she just said how like she was annoyed with what she was doing and she was like just generally just a bit bummed yeah. with life and I was just like that contradicts what's happening. Yeah, it just contradicts everything I've seen, like how you've promoted yourself. But like you don't, like you say, you don't promote yourself as being as sad or annoyed or whatever. But it's just like what you perceive and what you view is completely different, different than to like what's the actual reality. The yeah, but it's like if you showed anyone a heap of different people's Instagrams and then interviewed them and then looked at like compared it, it'd be like, well, this isn't really yeah. the comparison. And then even like. Most of the shit I put up is actually like it's it's generally me. Even if it's dumb, like I think I put up a photo. I had this like chick's ass out the other day, <laughs> and some people messaged me and they're just like, "Oh, I don't think like that's appropriate and stuff." I'm like, "Dude, that's me." Yeah. Like, like kind of like fuck what you think in a way. Like, I love it. Actually, if I can take away something I love about Instagram, it's seeing all of my people I like. Yeah, create doing good shit. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, I've met a lot of athletes and a lot of crew and a lot of friends and stuff. Yeah. When they're doing good shit, you have a little smile and go like... Yeah, you get something yeah. out of it. You get, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, no, that's the job. bit... Because I'm not very good at staying in touch with people. I'm yeah, not, well, you live... It's like, it's just life, I'm man. I'm stuck in it's the rut of this, of, of what I do and family and stuff, but I'm so I don't call a lot of people just a chin yeah. wag. So that yeah, kind of, yeah. that's where it... Well, like when say, I see good shit happening, like you doing stuff and... All the crew. Yeah, it's all That's when it's it. like, fuck yeah, you know, we've got yeah, little guys is. in America killing it and, you know... Pricey just did well at Baja, and yeah. like there's all this yeah, stuff all, going yeah. on. You're like, that's. It's funny it. how it's like it, like it is social media, and it does like broaden everything, and does get you to see people you would never see yeah. or get to interact with them. But then it does take away from actually seeing people mm. at the same time. Like it's like I said, it's a two edged sword. You just got to work out like to say the best way to balance it. Like mm. see what they're doing. Like that's what I said. The best thing about it was I can I can post something and. 36,000 people can see it and if I like I put up a thing today because I want to auction off not auction off chari- um, my, my riding kit and stuff yeah. and I just put a thing up like does anyone know like a good uh, like raffle website and yeah. like yeah 10 people yep use this Thank use that you. use that and it's just like that's cool it's just literally little like it's for that kind of stuff it's, it's great good. it's great it can it helps Share you so knowledge. much because yeah you do have such a broad platform of like information or people coming at you and it's pretty cool, yeah. Just, even people you know that you would never ask, but they come up. It's like, yeah. no, you use this, this is this, and it's like, yeah, you don't know unless you ask, kind of thing. But that is, yeah, that is a really good thing. But yeah. I think it's just the whole fact of just be yourself. Yeah. And then you're gonna people that are looking at your shit are people that you're gonna want to look at your shit yeah. because it's like, well, that's that's people your, bind to your personality, man. Yeah, exactly. That's a big thing. I think a lot of people on Instagram try and be someone else that they're not, and that's just well, it's not it's just Instagram. It's just general kind of life. But then yeah. you're just not going to attract the people that you need to attract it's just like you're going to be you're going to like they, they like this person that you're not and you think you're going to get along with them or and like you think not. they're going to you guys are going to gel and connect it's just like you're on different wavelengths you think yeah. you're going to get together because you've been some fake person so it's just like just be yourself be yourself general is that we kind of got off track there where are we going with the we're back on the lusty thing uh, getting, yeah. getting started so lusty, we're, in the, yeah. we're in the share house oh no you just brought yeah, we yeah so we kicked off um yeah, so the missus was sending orders during the day. I'd be doing late nights, building websites, you know. Did learning you the hard way. Did you have much experience with doing any stuff? It was all Zero, like, man. It was all new. Zero, like, from a full 
trade back or yeah. not any retail not were you getting a kick out of it because it was like you were learning a lot as yeah. you were going or was it just a bit like of a challenge well the kick like was a- like and it still get a kick to this day is that we we had a product come into the country and then we had people wearing it at the track mm. that was the kick you know like we had I think one of our first athletes was Dan McCoy who was factory Yamaha motocross supercross racer epic guy Um, so yeah we started getting people interested and you know it's it's different because you know I was the the rider trying to hustle people for sponsorship yeah it was the other way around people wanted to wear their stuff and but that's a good thing as well because i think when you get people like that they understand it a bit more than someone coming yeah. in it's just like not um, yeah they, they haven't been in the shoes outside. before so they're kind of like well and then people kind of view them as like why like why do you know this or why mm. do you think you should be able to tell me or whatever but it's like oh no you've done it yeah you were doing it not that long ago you kind of you get yeah and then people i think open up a lot more yeah. a lot more um, I guess open, yeah, open to kind of dealing with you or like making something happen. I was happen. still riding and stuff. So yeah, yeah, you're kind of in the scene in still. In the scene still. So yeah, it was a good way to start. Um, yeah, look, we didn't make money for years, man, but we learnt and we were just ticking along and, you mm. know, it was, everything was kind of free and easy, you know, I was young, there was yeah. no responsibilities, just got to pay the mortgage every week, so, you know, didn't have anyone tipping money in, my folks were pretty modest, just dad was a motor mechanic, blah, blah, so... Yeah, we did it all our own way. Yeah. Helsey was at uni still. I was hustling as a leco engineer. Kind of that just kept going and we kept doing our thing and doing a lot of events and met heaps of crew. and just building it up. Slowly. You know. Was it like a point where you're like, okay, this is this is not just we're just ticking over. It's like started to kind of peak a bit more? Or was it just- yeah, well, I mean, we lost a bunch of money and then when you start doing that for a while, you're like, shit's got to change otherwise we can't keep doing this so um started learning you learn by your mistakes yeah yeah exactly what you do what i do whatever um so you learn by that and then you get smarter and then you just feed off people and talk to people more experienced and we're just working it out was that when you started were you kind of like not you knew what you were doing but you kind of didn't probably after as much help as you thought you could have I didn't and I kind of like yeah I was pretty people who know me know I'm pretty stubborn um that's like me when I'm stubborn into racing like I look I wish I could slap the younger me because I remember like going to world cups and I was like I know exactly what I'm doing. I don't like I, I. I was telling Rando and not Emil that like I had my brakes like facing down, my seat was on an angle, yeah. and they're like telling me I got to change this stuff. And imagine this little kid like, no, nah, this is how I like it. <laughs> and they're just kind of like, no, you need to try this and try that. And anyway, they good thing they were persistent with me, and they did change these things and it did help. And then I, I think a little light kind of flicked in my head, and I was like, okay. Maybe these guys that have done it, who has been a junior world champion, who has raced World Cups, probably knows <laughs> would actually know. Yeah, that actually knows a bit. Which is like, it's just it's a lot of mentality of like, like, and I wasn't like I was a young kid that got into racing and was like the best at it. Like I did struggle a bit, so I probably should have had more of the whole. Like I wasn't like I'm the best. No one like why would I need help if I'm the best? I I did learn, but I think it's just because. I kind of did just learn from myself and yeah. build from that. I'm like, well, if I if something doesn't work, I'll learn how to fix it. Where now I'm just like, if you like, just treat everyone with like they know something you don't. Yeah. Or even if they, you might not think that. At least listen to them and kind of get where they're coming from. Where as a kid I was like, 
so hell bent on this is how it should happen and one thing was I don't wear gloves anymore that was the one thing they (laughs) they kept hassling me Um, I remember Rando just every time we'd go to like a junior camp or like something like put some fucking gloves on and just (laughs) it'd hassle me every time and then I think when I got um, my first World Cup podium in Lenza Heidi sent me a message like congratulations man like really stoked for you and he's just like you don't have to wear gloves anymore and I just thought that was so funny but like I was like everything everything else though like I think they like I think they had like a hundred and something PSI on my forks like I ran them so stiff but like everywhere in Australia like like you're racing tracks like Shepparton Yu Yang's even Beauty's not super rough and like I went to Europe and I was like I can't hang on and I was like, because I've got a fucking steel rod in the front of my butt. And there's actually braking bumps here and ruts. You need to use all of those millimetres. Yeah, so they were like trying to get me to soften my suspension. I was like, no, I like it hard. Like, I'll skip over the bumps. I was like, you can't even fucking hold on. Like, I went to Mont Saint-Anne and my hand slipped off my bars and hit the back of my brakes twice because my forks were that hard. Yeah. And I told them, I'm like, soften your shit up. Like, change it. Do something. And, it, like, I did, did do it, but it was just like, it was pulling teeth. Yeah. Like, I was not... I was definitely not the kid that was just like, oh, yeah, I'll try that and see what happens. I was like, nah, nah, do it my way. I'm just wondering, yeah, if you were kind of like Mm. similar at the beginning, it's like... Same, man. Exactly the same. And as I've got older and fast forward, I would slap young me as well. I've met some crazy good business mentors and learnt some incredible information from people that have... Yeah, they've been down this road before me. It's just like they've done it, they fucked up. I know. They, they, they know why. But. So yeah, look, it is what it is. We're here now. It's mm. been a been a ride. Um, so yeah, kind of kicked off slowly, and one thing led to another. You know, spare bedroom, and then I went to uh, had a buddy come on board, and we moved into we spare shed. Yeah, spare shed led into Could a bigger, small when, warehouse. When did this start happen? Like, when was it like? When we um, kind of, did you have like an ah oh shit kind of moment where you're like, we're not just we're not just kicking along now. Like, there's yeah, actually some dollars kind of organically, in. we added OGO there not long after, which kind of kick started it. And then, um, like, we've had some amazing athletes come on the ride with us, and I'm still close close to a lot of them. Like Cam Sinks and Bilko were probably yeah. the first two athletes I think on OGO. Yeah, both them old doggies are still killing still it. Kicking, yeah. Um, then we had Ando when he came back from the US on a Honda. It was help. like we've had so many people, and then in industry, you know, with media and mags, and it's a small community, and exactly. everyone yeah, kind of like... runs around. And we had a bit of a rad crew. Um, it wasn't long after that that kind of run into Sammy Moore, who was our rep originally in Tassie, and this little frothy grummer who was, you know rocking our stuff down there and then we've ended up becoming like best mates and we're sharing a similar journey and mm. yeah, had a lot of good people come in and out of the journey yeah help and um pick it up because that's like I was, when I was talking to Jay's and he's just like you, you know one like like got big kind of dog in the industry I guess it has like a wide reach and I'm like you know pretty much kind of everyone yeah and we're kind of saying how like shit people don't last in a small industry because it's yeah. like it, people talk people, and it goes around pretty fucking quick really Something yeah like I've tried to keep that exact analogy all the way through of all the way. I've helped more people than my account would ever let me yeah which is you know how, how do you, every how do you go with that there's like do you kind of 
approach people or did they kind of approach you like when you got Bill Co on that did they kind of come to you or how did that um, it was a kind of a mutual thing um, again it was good people connecting good people I yeah. kind of look at that is that what kind of um, kind so of... I had a buddy Dan McKenzie was a bloody legend he had uh, high roller energy and a whole bunch of stuff in the early days doing heaps of good stuff um, and he was sponsoring the boys and then we were mates and we connected with Cam and Bilko through him and yeah. then we developed a yeah, relationship and, from that yeah I guess that's kind of like at the end of the day it's how most kind of things come about like a friend of a friend yeah this is like the whole thing I was trying to push well I have been trying to push is just like yeah just talk to new people yeah. because that can always create a new experience I'm like if you just fucking shut away by yourself and a lot of young kids I noticed they like they have the talent but they like that's that's half that's half the sale yeah I was like you could be the fastest person in the world you can't talk to your sponsors or can't converse with people it's just like even if like you're not an arsehole or anything but you're just a person that can't converse I'm like you're losing half the battle right there yeah. it's like you see people that have personality and they don't really win races but they sell bikes, they yeah. sell gear, they do all this other like they're, what they're promoting is yeah. positive. Like we look at like Win Masters, yeah. is the like he's just a character. He's a character that's built a brand, and like obviously he's got he's done he's won EWSs. He's not like he's a slow rider, but he's more well known than a lot of yeah. like his social media's like two hundred thousand followers or something. It's, crazy, it's just because of his personality. And people you look buy at into some, it. You look at someone like um, I'm not going to take away from Jared Gray's, but like he's he was he was winning all these races and he built it from that but like I'd just say social media wise he's way less than yeah. than Wynn but it's just like he was winning all these races Wynn was more of a personality yeah. and I'm not taking away from Graves at all like he's an awesome guy and friendly and all that but just like how he kind of comes across is just in a different way different but that's, that's what I mean like you don't have to win races to sell bikes or be a personality or yeah. whatever but that yeah that's just like in the whole small industry like everyone kind of everyone knows everyone in some way yeah and it's just funny how, like, yeah, you say, like, when you obviously get riders on, you probably have a bit of backstory from three yeah, different, like, like, of different people kind of thing. Um, in the early days, man, a lot of the decisions I made were emotionally driven. Like, yeah, oh, I've got this. I mean, we sponsored so many people. Yeah. Like, there's a photo up there on my desk of well, you look at all the 07, jer- you, you know, the there's the Marmon brothers and Reedy and Rito. Like, we had everybody who was everybody. Yeah. Um, and it was cool, man. And it was emotionally charged. Then I still worked in the mines at this point. So yeah. I worked a second job full-time for the first nine years of the company, which, you know, was pretty hard yakka. That's pretty Work crazy. Work all man. night, get it's up at 5 a.m. Over half the time it's been here. Yeah, um, just to keep... Keep the lights on. Keep the lights on, man, yeah. obviously. Because, um, yeah, it's funny how banks won't lend you money unless you got money. It's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> Who'd have thought? But... Yeah, so we've had so many good crew, Matto. Like, the list is too long. I can't even Yeah, but well, you look now, even in, like, the warehouse, you see all the jerseys and everyone. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it's been, been pretty great. Come, come and go. Um, and we've seen a lot. Like, that's the thing that makes me stoked is the journeys, you know? Like, Pricey. Saw him back in the day, you know? Yeah. Go through his... Everyone's been on a roller coaster of tough times, good times, and he's... Killing her and you know, Andy Buckworth was a little fifteen-year-old yeah. girl at the skate park, and now he's you know killing her. And like, there's a bunch of those. You get a kick stories. out of that, yeah. Yeah, that's um, you know Moya, Jackie Moya. You know, he was yeah. on that little lusty team, little quiet. 
Yeah. We would have thought Jack was quiet, but little, yeah, Jack, my arm was like, yeah, yeah man, come on, we'll yeah. help you bits and pieces, and then, you know, look what he's going to do, like you guys. Um, yeah, it is crazy, hey. So we've had a bunch of people, um, which has all helped, and we'll, all, um, but like, I always looked at, because the underlying thing I have with people I sponsor is don't be a dick. Yeah. And like, just be. Like, everyone I relate to comes back. From me back in the day, Travis Pastrana mm. was like the guy that everyone should strive to strive be. to be. Yeah, he's done everything. Yeah. He's accomplished more than more people could dream about. Yeah, in one discipline, let alone multiple disciplines. Yeah, he's just been a businessman with what he's doing. It's like he's yeah. just constantly trying to better himself in different ways. Just because he's not doing triple backflips, he's doing something else to build brands. And, That's yeah. it, and he empowers people. So yeah, he's been around yeah, him, and when you're around him, yeah. you feel like you can backflip yeah, yourself. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing I try and be now when I meet people. Like, yeah, because one thing I know, I'm if I can't be good at something, I'll find someone that can be good at that, and then push them into that. Like I met this guy when I was in Byron. It was a weird. Dude, it was actually quite. It was really random. He was. Um, I was with these two people that I also just met that night, and this guy. Um, he started rapping and he was actually good at it and then he's like yeah listen to this song and he had a song recorder on his phone and it was generally good like he could sing like yeah. he had a good voice anyway we were just um, we were just kind of off uh, near the beach and he was um, he was just kind of just rapping away and there was a guy down on like a motorbike um, he was just sitting there and he, was, he had a security jacket on and we were kind of like oh this guy might tell us to fuck off or something anyway <laughs> he started to kind of push his motorbike up I'm like oh what's happening man he's like oh my motorbike's got a flat battery um, I'm just going to get a bump start to go up this hill so I help him push up the hill yeah. and he gets to the top and he's like oh by the way who was rapping before and um, I was like oh it's this guy and we like point to him and then he just starts beatboxing and like like really properly beatboxing and we're just like what what the fuck and then the guy <laughs> just without even saying anything just starts rapping over him beatboxing and I'm just like what like what's, what's, hap- what's happening right now and he's just like, yeah, I've been, and the guy's like, I've been beatboxing since I was like 10 years old. Um, I was like, do you do it properly or anything? And he's like, oh, nah, just for drunk people after the pub, like kind of just do it and entertain yeah. people. And I'm like, dude, you're really, like, you're really good at this. And then he's like, oh, thanks, man. I was like, you should, like, why don't you go, like, I was just like, busk in the street. Like, because heaps of people busk in Byron. It's like, actually, it's not like it's a, like a back home where I'm from, you busk, you might get a few dollars. Like, yeah. Byron's a, Legit. yeah, like a holiday destination. So there's people there. And, like, there's, you see, like, you walk past, there's, like, people playing like in bands on the street. It's just a common thing in Byron Bay. And, like... I think people's careers start by yeah, busking in Byron Bay. Yeah, man. I think this Tones and I started yeah. busking in Byron like, Yeah, you, well... I was like, you get one Ziggy person... Ziggy Alberts and yeah. they used to busk in... You, I'm like, you get one person that sees you that sees, like, a, something in you. That's all you need. And, yeah. like, I'm just telling him, like, I, you, like, I'm not... Like, you know when you hear people, it's like, you're all right. Like, yeah. you're generally, like, you can, you can do this. <laughs> And I was like, dude, just get a microphone and a little speaker. And I'm like, just try it. Yeah. And he's just like, probably should. And I'm like, just kept on just positive, just like, try it, man, do it. Like, worst case scenario, you lose a couple hundred dollars on a microphone you could probably sell. And then you can try. And he's just like, yep, yeah. got his number, sent him a message the next day. I'm like, you're doing this, Mike. You're doing this, man. Like, like believe in you, all this shit. And I'm like, I know my thing's never going to be beatboxing. I think it's a cool thing to do. But if I can motivate him into doing it, that's like, right, that's man. my thing. I keep, even with the guy that I want to DJ, I'm just like, you can do it. Just get like people just need to push. That's it. People just need a little push down a hill, and then they get momentum built up. But like, you have all that doubt in your head. And I think the fact that I did see something like with racing, and then did go after it, and it did work, and realize that I'm just like, 
well, if someone else can do that, they should do it. Yeah. And obviously, you saw the thing with you can build this similar deal, man. Build this company business, whatever you want to call it. And then you saw it when after it did it, and you're like, if you saw someone else that was trying to do it, obviously give them advice, give them whatever you want to call it, and then they can do it. But like a lot of people just have doubt in themselves. That yeah, I think that's like, the difference between doing your own thing and man we had plenty of people tell me I couldn't do it and that won't work and blah 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 yeah which you always and a lot of people do that because they can't see themselves doing it yeah like people like want to just people just want to work that normal job and just make that normal whatever and don't really and that's fine like you can like yeah. don't have anything against that but then when you tell them no you can be better than that you can better yourself you can better your situation blah 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 they kind of like no like yeah. they're, they're like kind of taken back for it and a lot of people like that because they don't even know what they want to do in the first place like they don't even have the thing that they want to could chase after like they're not yeah. even they're not even in that kind of mind mindset so I'm like once they kind of maybe find what they want and then you kind of push them they might be a bit more open about it but like yeah it's like the guy beatbox I'm like you can already you've already got the talent just, you've, just you've, go for yeah, it yeah I'm like dude just and I was just like it's not hard like you live in Byron Bay He's like, yeah, I worked security guard until I think it was like ten o'clock, and I was like, go start busking at ten thirty. Yeah. There's going to be drunk people all through the street that are drunk that want to be, be entertained. Yeah, and like they're going to have loose change. Going to like, fuck, just try it. Yeah, and then like he was, he generally was just like, I hope he, I might send him another message after this and be like, have you got a microphone? Like just, yeah, people just so, keep pushing him, like because then eventually, like if he like if he does it and he sent me a message like oh, I did it, made two hundred bucks. I was like, well, it's an extra $200 that's in yeah, your pocket. You and you, and you're doing something you're already doing for yeah. drunk people for nothing. And I'm like, you're, already, you're good at it, you like it. You don't know where it can go. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. So I'm definitely that guy now is like push. The, the push guy. I'll be the, I'll be the push guy and push that's people. That's good, man. Well, that's why, yeah. Pastrana was someone I just yeah, yeah. held in such a high light because it's, he, yeah, he's the, so normal. He's got so much time for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and like... You just see some people who are successful as an athlete and it kind of goes the other way and you're like, you don't have to be like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of people we look for. Um, yeah. Again, we've had so many good athletes over the years. Mm. Um, yeah. I like helping people, man. Yeah, it's like that's the thing. You get a big kick out of yeah. that. And that's funny. Like, I'm similar and that's kind of why I've got... Um, like a little Ollie Davis onto you. Yeah. And that was another thing where it's like, like that wasn't something that just, I just saw a kid said, yep, go for him. Like I was honestly looking for a kid to help for a long time. Like I even rode with young kids and then kind of sussed them out to how they were. And some kids were just like, you know, just some kids don't fit. I remember I hung out with one kid and he was really nice, but his parents were really pushy and like you could tell they would probably get too invested in it. And then, I'd like hang out with another kid and he was a bit cocky and I was just like it was it's, it's hard to find like people it like is, that so man. then when I found Ollie um, it was kind of like a no brainer and then I met his family as well and I was just like yeah incredible family. yeah just like nail on the head so I'm like it's just generally just a good family and good people to be around so when I found him and I went to you I was like oh, I've scoped yeah. this out Johnny like this is, this is yeah this is not a bad bad thing to do and obviously he's been yeah good since he's been on here. Man, I've, yeah. When someone says thank you, it means a lot. Well, he called. He called up, didn't oh, he? Oh, he says thank you so many times, and yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> just generally good. The kid. seat I'm in, you know, I wear a lot of different hats, and I get a lot of thank yous. Yeah. So when you get a little 
kid like just uh, yeah just something hey it's it's, just, it, it goes a long way people don't understand it and I think I think people view it as because they probably think you're so busy or something, oh you won't notice hmm. like when I had my party I had like a couple close friends that didn't come and even one um, apparently said to another friend I was like oh you won't even notice and like I did yeah and it's just like it, but I think yeah people just get caught up in like oh you won't notice or whatever but it's like you, you notice the little things yeah. eh? so the little things man yeah and a thank you goes so far yeah exactly it's, and it's not hard it's, it's ne- not hard it's never hard at all but that's you know I think that's just part of the family that he's from as yeah well. exactly so it's a big, it is a big part of it it's like obviously you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna be brought up a certain way that's like when I met him and then I was like, well, I've got to meet the family as well. Obviously, if like, not that we all, like we all check out, but then like, I met them, and I was just like, oh, we're fine. This is yeah, this is it. They're good crew. Man. And then since I met him, like, even the fact that it's selfish in a way that I'm helping him to help myself as well, because yeah. I get such a kick out. Of, like, I go riding with him, and I like riding more. So yeah. I'm not. And this is the thing. Even his family, because I just like like I would give him goggles, and I'd go riding with mm. him, and I do a bit of coaching and stuff. And his parents would be like, oh, you do too much. And I'm just like, I probably get more out of this than he does. Yeah. Like, realistically, like, I, I'm i doing this for myself as much, if not more, for him. And I think they kind of start to understand that more. Because I'm like, when you buy your kids, uh, like, a PlayStation or something like that, you get a kick out of that. Even though yeah. they do, you're getting something out of that as well. And then, uh, yeah, I think they kind of start to realize, hey, like, he's, he's generally, he like, he's it. getting out, something out of it. And then it was weird because I never like kind of understood the different kind of levels of like you know when you obviously have your, a, a son or a daughter or something it's like yeah. a new kind of love you kind of find for someone and then I kind of started to get that towards old oh. and I was just like oh this is because I was thinking of like oh if I had kids I'd Proud probably dad moment yeah I'd probably like treat him this way yeah. and probably be open about this and then um when I was around Noel I'm like nut like strict dad kind of thing now and it was just funny how all this like my ideas kind of went out the window yeah. so quick and I was just like no, nah, he's going to eat right he's going to do yeah. this he's going to do that and then and it was just funny but it was definitely like I yeah like probably yeah look at Ol now as being like I'd say as close to a son without being yeah, as son man. as you could kind of have which I think is a really cool thing so I'm like fuck it's really cool man you're oh, a little fella and yeah just that it was such a cool. it's just such a good kid and so so easy to deal with yeah, so that's, it worked yeah, out well. But that's um, even like when I was saying, like you helped him out, and I thought that was cool because, like, yeah, we've, I've never actually great. really ro- I've rode for Troy Lee, but I've never like I was saying to someone else, like, yeah, we've got Not a good really relationship. done sponsorship stuff together, really. No, Not it's kind of just Troy Lee. But I was like, you've, just, like this whole industry thing, it's all doesn't inter- matter. It's interconnected kind of thing. Yeah, man. That's what I try and you see most people they'll be ride for a team or ride for a brand, and they don't really venture out and. It's like you think you're just going to ride for one brand for their whole life. You think that's it, kind yeah. of thing, or one buy company. And I say to people like I'm always floating around trying to talk yep. to everyone because it's like it's all one big family at the end of the day. That's it. And it's all one big like family or work companions or whatever. Like at a World Cup, I'm like, that's your work. Yeah. And even though there's like ten different teams there, they're all like, you. You Oof. deal with them on a daily basis, yep. and you've got to all kind of work together yeah. in, in some way or another. And everyone's super friendly, so it's easy. Yeah. But people look at it, it's like your team's your team, everyone else is separate. Yeah. It's like, no, you're, yeah, you're setting community. up the pits together, there's people setting up there, you're meeting people in the chair. Like, it's all one family. Big time, man. And so just people don't view it that way. And they kind of like, I just don't get it, hey? Yeah, it's kind of like our industry as well. We've got competitors and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we've got a lot of allies and 
worked yeah. with a lot of different competitors and there's some great crew at our you know other brands that we sell against but mm. we're all doing the same thing I mean I run my own program I don't try not to look left or right too yeah. much because then you can kind of get stuck looking at your competitor yeah, yeah. probably like you man if you're constantly looking at oh that's yeah someone else yeah that was a big thing I had kind of getting uh, how come I can't beat Lloyd mm. like what's he doing and then you yeah. get your all you got to kind of you get flustered especially with line choice that's something you do yeah someone's doing a certain line like have to do he's that doing line. that line have to do, I've that, got to that, do line. that line and it's just like just shut up dickhead like yeah. just do what you know you can do properly but that's the thing I felt because when I was younger there was always like Tom Crimmins beat me like a red-headed stepchild every weekend <laughs> in and out and then it went from that to and then I was just always like how do I beat Tom how do I beat Tom it's like yeah. put energy into how do I better myself and how do I do this and just that person shouldn't even be in your mind because I'm like if you're working on yourself then you're going to get better if I'm worried about what Tom Crimmins was doing and then it was like went from him to maybe like um, Connor Fearon yep like, I would go to races and I would generally be like so worried about Oh, I, honestly, I looked up to Connor as yeah. like, a, like I remember like he he just seemed so far ahead of where I was. Like him and Troy, I'd put them on like pedestals because I was like, literally looked up to them. They were probably like my favorite riders, and they were like a year older than me. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, not even. I was just I didn't even look at them as like almost competitive because yeah. they were so much better. Like I'd go to races and I'd be like, holy shit, that's like the yeah. fear and that's true Brosnan. And I was like, and then I started racing them. Like oh, like. Yeah, I just didn't look at them like I could like ever beat them. And then same deal, man. Like yeah. when I first started, and I was this little baby company. You yeah, know, you're doing like, business. Like there was no end goal. I didn't really know where it was going, but I'd be like, oh, you know, come back from an event and like hell's, I just met, you know, like the Fox distributor, and oh, now I know the guy at Alpine Star, and like yeah, blah blah, yeah. like you know, like I met these people that these companies were ginormous, man. Yeah, like. And you're just this little kind of fish thing. But and I was just like, if I can possibly make a living out of this one day, that would be freaking yeah. epic. Yeah. Um, so there was no ambition. I think you think back to that, it kind of humbles you a bit. when you Massively, man. I mean, like we always that. go back. I mean, oh, Hells is the, ad, you know, we work together every day and she's been there, been together nearly 20 years. She was there, what, before? Yeah, before the start, so, yeah. She's probably the only one that knows the true whole story. Yeah, how it came about, yeah. Like, yeah, the, the original plan was to try and make this a job. Yeah. And then, you know, when you, the first step was to employ a buddy. Yeah. Because I was able to make more money working in the coal mine. And, yeah. You know, it was like, okay, you quit your job being a McDonald's store manager. Yeah. I'll pay you from my wage each week. To, I run, wage. to run this, yeah. I'll live on two hundred dollars a week if you can just go run it, yeah, every day. And then we <laughs> is that how it started? That yeah, and then we employed my little sister as an admin trainee, and then yeah, that kind of it snowballed, snowballed, yeah. and you know it became serious. And then how many employees do you have now at the moment? Um, we're at nearly thirty. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like it's you know the business took off pretty quickly um and like kent mm. a legend in marketing how long has he been here for well he was like maybe the third employee so we had patty young as well he's you know patty yeah he was a little legend um he was our second employee i think kent was our third employee really so he was with us out of school shredding so, on a mountain bike did he know. go away from the company for a little bit to do yeah so he tennis? worked with us for like three years um 
love that little fella like a brother. Like, so I like, met him through J Bart. Yeah, he's, he's super tight with J yeah, Bart. And he, so then I, he did a sabbatical overseas and he went to uni and did stuff and then came back and forth a few times and then he's like. So you yeah. trying to steal him back because it was like oh, from, well, I'm not pretty, stealing back, but just from the start. Just yeah, like, I mean, cool. I've been really lucky, man. That um, everyone that's moved on from last year has always not everyone, but a vast amount of people that have left to go do other stuff because we've had a lot of young people like Ken you know he came in on 18 Paddy came in on 17 yeah Yeah, he went to Monza and then he went to Specialised and yeah but a lot of our crew have come back yeah so Ken's been with us three or four times and now he's our marketing manager like that says a lot to me I'm grateful that yeah we've had you know Kirsty a whole bunch of people that have left gone on to conquer other things and then they've called and we're like hey can we come back I'm like <laughs> yep shoot yeah love you guys no, so, that is, that is, that is so yeah I'm trying to because I came from corporate world as well mm. I just I fucking hate corporate you know <laughs> yeah um, so we've always tried to do things differently yeah um, and I've built always tried to build Lusty as a brand because I'm like all these other distributors aren't really known you know the brand, you know? Like, yeah. you know the brand they sell. Yeah, but you don't know what they are. You don't really like, hey, I'm going to ride for, I won't say name, but I won't, I'm not riding for that company. I'm riding yeah. for that brand. Yeah, 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 I get you. So yeah. we kind of built. And you've always had the well, lusty, right, the lusty, yeah. And then we have brands that sit under it, so we have, you know, a bit of a following. Um, but try and do a good culture business, man. I mean, then we had the Lusty Mountain Bike team we've had for years. Yeah, we've I was going to say, there's good, always. Had good crew in. there, you know, Paddy Ballard, Jack, Marty, yeah, um, Remdog. Um, yeah, had, yeah, you've actually had a lot of people. Yeah, we're like trying to, and it's been an important part because if I can't race, you know, someone like, else can, can yeah. like, let's take some people up. Well, that's what I get a kick when I'm like, yeah, helping. Yeah, Ollie, like little Ollie, hopefully, can come up and you can we can see him off the World Cup. Yeah, that's the dream. Like that, yeah, that's the. You know, it happens in moto as well. So we've helped. You know, obviously, Pricey's a local, local yokel who have, um, yeah, have so much respect for because he, you know, he killed it as a junior and then you know, yeah. did it tough trying to be a motocross supercross rider and then he went off road and obviously he's killed it. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people know his full backstory, but him and his family are amazing people and have been through some hell. Yeah. Tough That's times, but they've now look what he's doing now. Like he's, well, you kind of see the whole know. story unfold. Yeah, sometimes for some people, I do get to see it early. Um, yeah. Well, I look at now, like you say, if Ol can get to a World Cup, Cup level, that's the dream. That's it's like, just like you see him from like this little kid. Well, I've saw him from like I obviously know him from the very start, but I see him from here, and then if you can be a part of pushing him up to there, oh, it's just like true. you're gonna. I just tell people like you like people don't understand. I don't think the the I guess level of enjoyment you get out of someone like bettering their life in some way and even like you think how much like when I like you obviously help him out with bikes and with gear and yeah. all this stuff and then I help him out with like riding and coaching and stuff it's not that much on a whole and like to change someone's actual life yeah. which if you said to him you can change their life you can make them see the world better you can make them actually generally see the world and fucking getting it's pretty cool man. yeah and you see all that and you're like I've just got to spend some time with you. I've got to do some gear and whatever. And it's just like, it's not that much really at the end of the day. And then what you get out of it, 
like it's like fuck I would easily give up some yeah. time to go do some coaching if I could change someone's it's life in a, in a positive way so I'm just like it's pretty cool yeah, yeah I've seen people with X Games you know Cam Sings yeah Model X Games and Bill Co and Andy Buckworth and like yeah, Pricey you're all, you're all, yeah and like, part of that that's all just like they say you give them a push like you give all the push I give all more people push them they're just going to get faster and faster going towards that end goal of like yeah what they want to do so I'm just like saying. yeah if we can help in some small way and I mean ultimately it's the person in yeah, their control of their own life and, yeah but yeah I mean I think we've managed to work with some good brands and some amazing crew um, but yeah I mean work hard man yeah, pretty much end of the day. And I think, what you, like you say, you expect to not happen straight away. No. I think a lot of people are like, after that overnight fix or overnight success, well, I'm like, it does happen, but it's quite rare that it does Yeah, happen. like, we're just probably not the smartest business person around. I've worked super hard. My yeah, old man yeah, worked yeah. super hard as a motor mechanic. I think that was kind of ingrained in us yeah. young. Um, yeah, I work a lot. Yeah. Yeah, um, like that's the thing. So paranoid of failure. I guess yeah. that's what the biggest thing for me is just the paranoia of failing. Yeah. Um, we nearly lost it a few years ago because we, we had GoPro and we were the distributor for GoPro and we went, uh, went big, had like nearly 50 employees at one stage and kind of lost it overnight. Yeah, and had to it can change. Real quick, man. Mm. So, yeah, never take anything for granted. You don't do GoPro now. No, no, they they um they went elsewhere. Yeah. In um in 2014 and yeah. So yeah, it was a game changer. Like everything was killing it, crushing it. We had an amazing crew of people. I had to let like I think it was 19 people. I had to lay off in like a week and a half. Yeah. And it was just like yeah. shitty day, shitty time and a whole bunch of shit was going on my dad was crook and whatever um, it's just a lot of hurdles all at once yeah, which is then, you know I guess that was yeah it's like, fuck it let's just work hard Get yeah. yeah I pretty much worked seven days a week for a well, year you pretty much get two options there, hey I could have just, I should have just pulled the pin <laughs> I, I probably should have just pulled the pin at you know, well, it's pretty hard on my life. With um, everything. Yeah, because I worked so hard and we had little kids at the time. Like, the kids were only just born and yeah. this is never saw me. And it was, you know, yeah. I was under a freaking shit ton of, like, basically if you said, okay, for the last 35 years of, or however many years you've been working, let's say 15 years of your working life, you've just lost everything. Yeah. And a lifetime of money you could never pay back. Yeah. Or you could just like, okay, let's just, fucking dig in and work your ass off and try and get out of it and that's yeah. kind of what I did Yeah, and thankfully I got through the other side I had to rip a bunch of people that were there with me yeah um, so that's shit people don't see because it's like mm. even like for myself from the outside like you don't see that's like you say you don't see the 60 hour work week you don't see the hours you don't see the this and you don't see the 18 people laid off and all this other stuff yeah man and like, like the whole view of what it is is can be completely different and I don't put that shit on social media either no but like I don't no one, tell no anyone one, no about one. my dark days yeah no one would and that's the thing it's just like this whole suck it up and yeah and I think that's why I like doing the podcasting because you get a lot more of that shit out there and you just go oh fuck like that is a thing 
like when I did the one with um, Gypsy, I had so many things I talked about yeah. where it's like people just like, holy shit kind of thing. And they're like, didn't see that. Didn't see that coming. I even like fr- like family members yeah, messaged man. me and they're like, I did not know that. Yeah. I was like, no one did. I'm not going to fucking broadcast that and fucking... That's stuff until, which is private. Yeah, and- but it's just like... Like even talking to Jake, it's just like this is the probably the best form or one of the best forms it's just like you're around a campfire and you generally yeah. just sit down and talk to someone you actually get up a lot of the shit that you wouldn't normally hear about and then people can obviously view it whatever way they want but it's a lot more real than yeah man whatever and it's not even just like yeah you're complaining or whatever you're just literally saying what you're I'm saying I'm not complaining no no I'm not saying it, but like yeah, yeah it's just you, it's just a fact just and we're telling what's happened what yeah, you've done and what's, where you've got to but so no, yeah I don't really broadcast it um, the people that have around me know the story there's yeah, a bunch no, of people that know the story um, yeah I should have I was pushed to close the business in like December 8 2014 that was basically I was like trying to I was trying to get wound up yeah and I was just like give me like my boss is the thing blah yeah. blah blah I was like give me some time I'll get through this and yeah just, yeah have everyone here to thank that was they got through it they yeah. got through it with me and we yeah. run a lean ship and we just worked you, our ring out man and do you feel now that, like looking back you're just like I'm glad I fucking yeah. pushed through it so I came to the point when I was going to retire from downhill racing in 20 20- sure I'm, I'm sure you've had shit days yeah. man you're like I'm done with this I can remember clearly I was at home and I was like sit, sat down with like my parents and I just talked to dad I was like I think I'm going to need a job next year mm-hmm. and he was it was in 2017 I like sat down. I was like, I'm just going to go back to working for you, yeah. and then work the rest of my life out from there. And then two weeks later, I was second in the world at Mont Saint Anne, and that kind of just fucking got the wheels so ticking over the same, again. The same roller coaster here, man. Yeah, but it's just like I can pe- have people the to, shittest of yeah. days and the highest of highs. Yeah. And... But I've got a thing now where I feel like no matter how it's it's kind of a good and a bad way of looking at. It. No matter how good something gets, it can also get equally as bad. But then how bad that gets, it can get equally as good. So it's just like you've got to understand that it goes like the life goes up and down. But you've got to, if you're in the shittest spot, you've got to remember that hey, it can get yeah. it can get that good again. again. It can get as equally as good, but it can get equally as bad. So you just got to expect both and then be ready for both. But I think a lot. So of do people, you do you take getting good results for granted? Because I don't take having a good I'm successful to... sales period or whatever. I don't take it for granted anymore. It's like oh, I don't think I'm. Yeah, I really taken it for granted. I think I just, I, oh, I think I have taken it for granted that like what I'm actually doing for a job yeah. when I like break it down. Because like there'd be times when you're just like, I don't want to be in Europe. I don't want to be eating certain food yeah. and cheese and like, it's just like, shut the fuck up. Like literally, <laughs> just think about what you're doing right now. And I think one of the big thing was <laughs> is like I did go through, like I said before, I did a boilermaker's apprenticeship, mm. and I always think back of like when I was at TAFE and honestly surrounded by not the brightest people like just literally smoked and drank and all they talked about was getting fucked up and doing skids yep. and commodores <laughs> and like not not bad people but just not what I wanted to be a part of not what no. I wanted to do and I had more hopes and dreams and all this shit and I generally thought that I could be better than the situation yep. I was in I remember going there and just welding in this small little bay sweat my ring off 40 degree heat welding up these massive plates of like 10 mil um, steel, steel and just thinking to myself fuck this this is not what I want to do yeah. for the rest of my life and like I was, I only did the Boilermakers apprenticeship because like I worked for my dad which then yep. was lenient with travelling yep. but I was I was like I, I enjoyed that I learnt that skill and that I did it but fuck me man I think mm. back to that when I'm getting on a plane going to Europe to go race my bike down a hill and I was like option B was going to be a welder or whatever yep. 
and I'm just like I think about that and I should, you shouldn't have to think about that to yeah. just realise and I think I just realise now like honestly this year I had a big realisation talking with um, Greg Minara because yeah. he kind of just kind of just made me see, yeah, he's see, another see, see a bit more clearly yeah. but yeah generally it's just like I if I yeah I, I, if I like to stop racing tomorrow I think oh, fuck I did it for that long that was amazing and yeah. I feel like I can do it for a lot longer but yeah it's just kind of like just generally just enjoy like, yeah. I, I am excited like I was saying I'm going to start racing again this week and that's yeah, like pre-season's getting underway now all the way and I'm excited that's like cool, as, awesome. as much as I have been liking going up the coast and kind of partying and having like this kind of laid back life I'm just like no I think I'm ready to go back to work now and get it done it's just like a different it's just yeah it's a different kind of high but still at the same time it's, it is a high and like it is fucking it is hard it's going to be tough but I'm like if you say running a business is tough doing it's it, tough anything man. worth doing is going to be tough yeah that's the whole it's point it's super tough like mm. imagine if you started this up and everything just fell into your lap you probably wouldn't appreciate it as much as you do now because you didn't have to work to get to that point it's a pretty wise statement um, yeah dad didn't just hand me the reins yeah no one just gave me a bunch of money and said here you go yeah it's, it was, what, is, what is the thing it's a, there's a quote and it's like show me the great man who's the son of a great man yeah because it's like there's, there's not many out there and even like I think my dad did a good job of like making us work for what we wanted because he was he he's like parents were just farmers yeah. and grew up in a farm like just humble kind of thing and he ended up um, making a sawmill that got sold around the world which he did make money from that but he did, he did that himself yeah. like he built that up he pushed it he made that into a thing and then when we were younger like he could have just brought me all the bikes I wanted and he could have said you, yeah. yeah and spoon fed me and gone like kind of full motor dad you're doing this you're doing that but he didn't he just said if you want to buy a mountain like I, I mowed lawns for yeah. my like family and friends and washed cars yeah. and like he was like you're not getting a free ride here and it's good because I'm like I, good, I'm man. glad and then like even with the boiler he's like I'm not paying for your ticket to Europe why should I pay for your ticket to Europe it's your dream and then he made me do the Boilermakers apprenticeship which was easy the fact he could give me time yeah. off which was a big like imagine telling my boss I'm going to Europe for a month yeah oh uh, yeah you're not going to have a job when you get home like he was like you can go when you're back you can work, like, work for me and it just kind That's of good. It I just, I just worked, straight and narrow, I did like it, it, it like helped a lot because then it was like I, like I, I think what was it the first year I went over actually no the first year they did help me out with flights because I was still at school I couldn't I literally I didn't have the money I couldn't do it yeah. they, they did help me out the first year and it kind of turned into a family holiday like mum and dad my brother came we did four World Cups I came back and then the next year I'm like I'm doing all the World Cups but he's like you're paying for it yeah. I helped you do these four next, next year's on you so started working for him I think I ended up spending 15 grand for the year for back and forth flights accommodation food whatever and like the end of the year I had like zero dollars again yeah. like I literally went from and like all my friends were going to party going to do whatever <laughs> they want like, like like I wasn't doing that but not to the extent they, they were, were like they were all kind of finishing year 12 they were going to uni all this stuff and I was like working a boilers apprenticeship and then I spent well, I literally was broke at the end of the year yeah, man. and I had the like kind of thing where it's like if I don't get a ride will I do this again will I just work all year to race and then like how long would I do that for mm. until it's like if I get a ride or do I just stop anyway that's when Da Vinci picked me up so they started paying flights accommodation and all that so I actually started to earn money awesome. it was still like I think a lot of kids don't get the appreciation when they're just like they're given everything and I'm like you want to get a world champion or you want to get something that someone that's like going to do well make them work for it yeah you like can. I was talking I was listening to the podcast with um, Todd Waters today yeah. 
and he was doing a cabinet maker's apprenticeship yeah. and then racing moto. He said he'd go to the track and then all these guys like, we're not getting paid enough, like oh, KDM should be paying me this. Like, and he was working an apprenticeship making cabinets and then going to the track. And he kind of had the same mentality as me where yeah. like, he'd get to the track and be like, fuck yeah, I get a ride now. Where I'd like, finish work and go for a cross-country ride. I'm like, fuck yeah, I gotta yeah. go for a cross-country ride. Where some kids where their parents would buy them a bike or pay for flights and everything, they're just like, oh, I wanna do this. And I kind of honestly had that mentality when I did get a ride because then it was kind of everything was handed yeah. to me. And it was like, I've been so used to working for this and then this is like Happening. the bit after. I didn't know, I, 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 I literally didn't understand just being what given happened? everything and I, 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 didn't, I didn't know how to deal with it. And yeah. I struggled because I was like, I kind of took away from it. Yeah. Like I always looked at like you work to get there and then when it was all handed to you, it almost felt like you didn't know what to do, do with it because it. it was like, yeah, you get a bike, you get a, f- a whole day to train, you get fl- pl- like plane tickets, you get everything <laughs> and it's like, go. And I'm just like, what? Yeah, so that's why I struggled so much at the start. Yeah. And I always tell people like the biggest thing that killed racing for me was getting a professional ride, which yeah. seems like completely back to front. Yeah, whatever, retrospective of what it looks like yeah. when you're not. Everyone's right. like, you get a proper ride, you're going to go better. I struggled. And like yeah. I openly tell people like I didn't know how to deal with it. I yeah. was a kid, got all this shit and didn't know what to do with it. But definitely like learnt from that and love it now. But it's just funny. It took, yeah. Yeah, the took, journey is, is weird, man. So like, likewise like the emotional roller coaster yeah. I never thought you know like the corporate decisions I have with brands and all the world of business you know it, yeah. I got into it for the fun and thought yeah I'll ride more and blah blah and then it got serious and you're like well I've got employees who've got to feed families and yeah it gets heavy pretty quick yeah but um yeah I wouldn't change it now no, it's all part of it. Yeah, I don't think you can look back and change shit because then you're just going to go in a big circle in your head about like you should learn from it and then move forward in a different way possibly. But when people look back, gosh, I should have done this, I should have done that. It's like in the future you should maybe do yeah. those things, but don't look back and like no. and question what you've done. No, I'm proud. I'm honestly, I don't say a lot. I'm pretty proud of where we're at. Um, yeah, and the people you've helped along the yeah, way, yeah, and, and the crew that. around us, and the people I know, and yeah. But I'm pretty, pretty conservative, happily pleased yeah. kind of guy. I mean, I'm similar to you, man. You're doing a, yeah, yeah, you know, I, sleeping I in your van and stuff. You know? <laughs> just being I'm always gy- going off the grid camping. Yeah, just the simple life. Because yeah. um, now I got my kids and stuff. That's kind of given us a new perspective on life. And my little fellas are rad, and they're starting to ride bikes and, and stuff. Yeah, bikes and that's all a big thing about it. Yeah, camping and we're just um, yeah. I'm trying to instill in them the value of a yeah, dollar what you've, what you've got yeah how hard it is to the value of a dollar that's probably where we yeah but then even like what a dollar means to you kind of thing like I have a, a thing where like I know now my thing is like people like I like people I like pushing people I get more out of that yeah and I, I have a job where I can that's why I'm like because I just keep meeting people that's yeah, my it's thing rad, it's like man. if I can meet new people and have cool experiences yeah. It's like kind of like fuck money in a way, but the thing is, money like having a good job where I get paid and I get free time gives me the opportunity to do that. So it all it's interlocked, but at the same yeah. time, like I don't really get a like a big kick out of buying shit for myself. Like if you buy myself like nice clothes or a nice motorbike or whatever, it's like it's kind of cool. Yeah. But if I go meet someone in Byron Bay and end up hanging out with them and going and do a cool experience and just generally getting to meet someone mm-hmm. and obviously being. I don't know, just a part of their life in a positive way. I'm like, fuck that to me is like, way, yeah, what I'd rather do. Same, man. Family time and camping and all that yeah, is it's, way more important. And people get so caught up on like, 
money. Got to have more money, more money. It's like fucking less money, more good times. No, I'm not about that. Um, yeah, I just want enough to pay the bills. Yeah, and be, around good, and be around good people. Yeah. And good experiences, yeah. I think people, yeah, North people need to kind of realise that, that get so carried away with like, I'll just get more money because I'll be happier. But it's like, will you? Yeah. Will you really kind of think if you break it down? Nah, it's, it's a funny thing. It's like a two-edged sword, though. Like I it's say. an evil necessity, man. Yeah, you exactly. know, obviously we need it because that's the thing. It's like I don't want to just be a hippie that fucking does absolutely nothing, but I want to be able to like. Yeah. Well, I've been busted ass broke, having credit cards, paying credit cards, living yeah. on fucking two dollars. I did it for years and years, yeah. like I said, when I was employing a buddy and yeah, yeah, all that and yeah. I think we've done our hard road. Yeah, and done living on. Two dollars a week, whatever. But <laughs> we've gone to four dollars. <laughs> yeah, now yeah, we're, we're, we're a bit better than that. But no, that's, um, good. that's good. But yeah, it's cool to see. It's cool to see. Like, yeah, I didn't realize. Like, obviously, I didn't think it was easy to get started. But you don't obviously realize where I come, like where it comes from. And that's why, I like, especially with this podcast, I start. I talk to people in the industry that because as much as I love talking to writers most writers have similar stories yeah. like everyone's kind of good bad whatever they've kind of it's similar but then like when I talk to photographers or like mechanics or like yourself you get a different perspective yeah. on like the whole thing because then like you you play such a big role in a writer's life and their career but then that doesn't kind of get overshadowed I guess by yeah. just the writer kind of steals the spotlight which is just like you're all that's it's cool a, weird yeah I know but it's all it's, all, in, it's, it's all intertwined yeah together. that's the thing and people just like I like getting that out there more because then people are like oh fuck like, that happened that happened whatever but like I'm it. fully stoked when stuff like like I said when we see someone go through to achieve yeah. their goals yeah that is the most yeah, that got, to me is like that is so fucking cool yeah I got this image in my head of um, being in a world cup and just seeing all win oh, and man. I'm like I'm like I just kind of even like I probably get more excited about that happening than myself doing oh. the same thing and like that's I don't know that's the thing there. like that's I don't know like, I have that it's image epic, in, I literally man. have like it gives vision, me goosebumps vision, vision. when I see Jack killing it yeah. or Pricey killing it or, yeah yes like yeah like I was the I was a push guy there oh I was just <laughs> I was like pedal, a, I was a pedal stroke no I was not no, but, really it's not because of me it's just because I've seen yeah but that's what I mean Jack like, come in and you know, he gave it, yeah. him his first pair of pants and jersey yeah. and he was like oh thanks man that's rad yeah and now he's like He's the man, yeah. You know, you guys are over there riding bikes super fucking fast, and <laughs> I just knew a part of that story. Yeah, well, you were intertwined with that story. Yeah, cool. and, um, yeah. So that's the plan of hopefully keep doing that, and yeah, yeah, just try and keep helping people and doing stuff and sell good brands and make it happen. Yeah, meeting good crew, oh. like you, man. Meeting new crew all the time. How did we meet? Do you know? Remember how we met? Because <sighs> it wasn't. Not really. I can't. I have honestly no idea where we for the first actually met each other um, along the way somewhere. Like I knew of you long before we actually met. Yeah, but, don't know, brother. It's funny uh, how that happens, eh? I'm just like I got no. I got some no... nationals or something, and then just said, "Hey." Yeah, I think it may really have come through when on intense and you were Troy Lee, Troy and we kind of like, "Hey, yeah, sick, you're Troy Lee." Yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, and that's kind of. Cool, and then I think we just—it's funny how you have those people that you know. Yeah, but you're like, when the, when the fuck did I start knowing you? Like, because you've just always—even if like I didn't know you, I would have seen you maybe at a race yeah. or something. So you're like, 
Well, I've, I've known yeah, of you since then, but when did I actually <laughs> start knowing you properly? So it is, it is a funny yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a good question, but yeah, stoked to know you. Oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, that's the lasty story. We'll again. keep right. doing our thing, man. I like it. Well, thank you, Johnny. No worries, man. Thanks well, for uh, the talk. We'll, sh- we'll shut it down now. That was uh, what is it, episode 13, the off-track experience. Thank hope you. I hope you guys enjoy that. A bit of a different story than the uh, the normal ones, but yeah, all good. I'll talk to you guys soon. Ciao. So there you go, guys. The story of Johnny McLean and uh, how he started up Lost Industries. I think it's a pretty cool story. It's funny how like humble beginnings always kind of how they go. Pretty cool. He's living in a in a share house of ten people, living on campus, and also the fact that he obviously had that big hit at the end of twenty fourteen, where it all almost kind of was it was all over, but. Really happened. Really happy that didn't happen, and I'm sure a lot of people that he support and help now are, are glad that didn't happen either. So, yeah, really cool chat. I really enjoyed that one. Um, hope to bring you guys some more content soon. Um, got some people lined up that I'm looking at doing. So yeah, hopefully have some more episodes to you guys soon. Cheers for listening. Bye.